Life Audio. Take off that worn out and stained outfit of your past life with its selfish desires and worthless ways of thinking. It no longer represents who you are. You are now true human beings with a new way of seeing and thinking. Put on the regalia of your new life, for you have been made new. Created again to look like the one who made you, standing in a good way and walking a true and sacred path. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to so much more. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Terry Wildman, and I will be back to talk about the First Nations version of the Bible, why it was needed. And what are some beautiful truths we can learn from it? What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Terry Wildman of Ojibwe and Yaqui Ancestry is the lead translator, general editor, and project manager of the First Nations version. He also serves as the director of spiritual growth and leadership development for Native InterVarsity. He is also the founder of Rain Ministries and has previously served as a pastor and a worship leader. He and his wife, Darlene, live in Arizona, and together they are Grammy-nominated and NAMI award-winning musical duo and recording artist known as Rain Song. Well, Terry, thank you so much for making some space to be with us today. It's good to be here. It's good to be able to see you face-to-face, and I just want to say hi to all your listeners out there that I can't see. (laughs) Well, they are waving back, I'm sure. (laughs) Terry, let's start with you telling us a little bit more about you. All right. Well, I'll say this. Bujuniji, the Matazig. Hello, my friends who share this life together with me. That was Ojibwe. My name is Terry Wildman. I was born and raised in Michigan. My ancestry includes Ojibwe from Ontario, Canada, Yaqui from Sonora, Mexico, as well as English. German and Spaniard. I'm married to Darlene Wildman. I have five children, eight grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren. My wife and I currently live in Maricopa, Arizona, on the traditional lands of the Pima and the Ta'anotham. So it's good to be here today. It's good to sort of see you all. Well, we are glad that you are here. And I imagine that all of those grandchildren are the delight of your life. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I want to back up and hear a little bit about the backstory of the First Nations version. Why is it that you started to see that there was a need for this translation of the Bible? Well, it's actually, the backstory is pretty long, so I'll have to give you the shortest version I can of that. My wife and I were living on the Hopi Indian Reservation. We had we lived there for five years, back between 2000 and 2005. And while we were living there, I was under, on a journey of learning more about our Native people. I wasn't raised in my culture, and so I was connecting to the Hopi who aren't my people in terms of my native ancestry, but they they recognized and understood that I had some native ancestry from a tribe somewhere far away. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, living there, I, as missionaries, so to speak, I had a lot to learn. And, and so I was learning along the way, how, to, how can I share Jesus in a way that's relevant to our, our native people? And so I served a couple of years with a mission organization, and then I served as a pastor there during that time. And while I was a pastor, I opened up the storage room to our church I was pastoring, found a New Testament in the Hopi language. And I was so excited. I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to read from that at, in church. I want our people to read from this and, and then say, you know, kind of translate it back. And so I, I took that Bible and I went to our church people and other people, and I couldn't find anyone who could read it. Mm-hmm. And they said, we don't use it because we never learned how to read our language. It, that surprised me so much. And then through just a lot of research and years of trying to figure out what happened, and, and learning along the way and becoming almost devastated with what I was learning because I, I learned that churches were helping to take away our languages. And even though one part of the church mission organization was translating our language, another part of it was helping take away our language in the boarding schools and things. And it's such a, a mystifying thing to, to look back and see what happened. And so I just began to say, well, we need to find a way to convey to our Native people in English because we found out that over 90% of our Native people do not speak their language Mm -hmm. and even less can read their language. And so because of that and because the, the English is the colonial language that was forced on us, let's say, and now... I, I thought, well, this this is the language we're all speaking. We're to each other and, and with each other. So I wonder if there could be a translation that speaks in English, but in a very native way, in a traditional way that natives spoke when they, some of our first English speakers who originally spoke their language and then they learned to speak English and how they spoke in English and how they, the kind of words and phrases they use. So I did a lot of research and my wife and I created a CD. We're musicians and songwriters. And so we created a CD called The Great Story from the Sacred Book. And that, that CD was submitted to the Native American Music Awards. That's NAMIs or NAMA. And it won in 2008 or 2009. It won the Best Spoken Word Award. Hmm. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, the story of Jesus from creation to Christ retold in a native way in English 
won the Native American Music Award. It must have touched enough people who were listening to say, I like the way that this story is being told. But we hadn't even dreamed that it would ever become a translation this way. And so, but I just began experimenting because I had found a book that it was a Bible, a New Testament. The introduction was written by some of our native leaders and things. And the, the introduction was worded so interesting. It, instead of God, it used creator. And it's, it talked about walking in the Jesus way, walking the good road, using a lot of phrases that make a lot of sense to the way our Native people would mm. think and, mm. and expressions our Native people would use traditionally. And I thought, well, why instead of having this other translation, this NIV or whatever it was, why not have a translation worded that way? So I just began to experiment with rewording my favorite scriptures in this way and using it in ministry on the Hopi reservation mm-hmm. and getting feedback from the men and the women that, that we were doing ministry with. And the feedback was really good. And matter of fact, mm-hmm. they came up with ideas that helped me to word it good. And so it almost became like studying the scripture which was really hard for me to get native people to really study the scripture. But when, when it was them saying, Oh, we're going to reword this to make sense to us. Then they dug right into it and they helped reword it. That started maybe around 2003, but it wasn't until 2012 that I actually made the commitment, decided that we would, we would begin this translation. So that's kind of the story behind how it came about. There's a little more to fill in there, but that's, that's the idea. We needed a translation that was worded in English for our native people. Yeah. And one of the things that I was reading is that it's so based in the tradition of storytelling yes. that is the oral culture. And so as somebody who wasn't raised in an oral culture, just Flesh that out for me just a little bit, and what makes that so different? Well, one of the things is Native American stories were traditionally told in ways that are unique to the storyteller Mm. and meaningful to the listeners. So a storyteller would draw from history, tradition, experience, and the storyteller would ensure the essence of the story is preserved. But it, without the need to present, say, a strict word-for-word recital of mm. that story. So storytelling was the way our Native people understood where we came from, why we're here in this world, and where we're going. We learned our values from our stories. We learned not to be tricked by that trickster who wants to take us down the wrong path. We learned that there's a great spirit above us all who cares and loves all people. And and he gave us some guidance along the way. And we need to walk that good road that he gave us to walk. We need to follow that path. We need to, to learn to respect each other and respect everything he made. And so oral tradition resonates with our native people. And that's one of the reasons our CD did so well. It's just, it was in storytelling form. Mm-hmm. With the First Nation version, we decided we need to, as much as possible, bring out the storytelling aspect of the Gospels. And then even in the letters of Paul and Peter and, and different people, we've, we found a kind of storytelling cadence. 
Hmm. Because each of the letters that are written always draw back from stories in the past mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. become teachings in the present. You would see that Paul, who we call small man, would tell about what happened in the past and relate it to the people living today, to followers of Creator Sets Free Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're going to pause here for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. One of the things that you have done in this translation is indicated for the reader, it'll say creator sets free and then in small caps in parentheses, Jesus or small man in small caps, parentheses, Paul. So it's, it was beautiful for me, even reading the genealogy in Matthew right off the bat and seeing the way that these people through the history of scripture were described in a new way for me. And yeah. I was reading it out loud to my husband. He's like, wow, that's really amazing. And it is, it's just, it it brings it to a different place because a lot of times scripture can become very familiar to us if we've been reading the Bible for a long time. And this helped me actually open my eyes in a new way to some new things. I really love that aspect. How did you decide? on the terms to use? Well, one of the things, uh, right from the beginning, when I first started this project, and we started with a, a children's book on the birth of Christ, and then we moved to a harmony of the four Gospels before we started the translation. And one of the things, right from the beginning, knowing th that, I, that I've been given a native name, okay, by my mentors, my native mentors, I went through naming ceremonies. Names are so important traditionally to our native people because the, the names have something to do with our calling, our purpose, who we are, who we want to be within our tribe. You represent your name in a sense, or your name represents you. And so I, I found out scripturally, this is true of all the Hebrew people. Mm -hmm. You know, so many times names were important to the story. Mm -hmm. Father of many nations. Okay, yeah. that becomes part of the story. Paul even uses his name as part of his teaching about 
Jesus and creator sets free. And even an angel gives the name of Jesus a special meaning. He says he, he will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Maybe that's NIV. Or he'll be called creator sets free because he'll set his people free from their bad hearts and broken ways. Mm. And so his name, Jesus, actually means to be set free, delivered, made whole. All these meanings are there in the Greek and then and in the Hebrew of his name. So we wanted to use that same tradition. And it has turned out that this has been the most important decision that was made in this translation, was to translate the meanings of the names and places. More Native people have said that that moved them to tears reading the genealogy. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's so connected to that native way of thinking about the importance of our ancestors, yeah, and their names, and how they're, the how they come down to us today. And here's the story of the ancestors of Creator sets free, and they all are, are important to the story that He brings to us. Yeah, and like you said, it brought readers to tears because i think just like you said there what resonated in my spirit is they were important to the story and so are we that's why names are important and we see that all through scripture the first thing that came to mind too was the first time jesus meets peter he renames him because he says this is who you're going to be you are now going to be the rock i love what you just said there it's so good the translation is described as dynamic equivalence translation. And that's a new term for me, maybe for my listeners as well. So tell me what exactly does a dynamic equivalence translation mean? Well, I'll I'll read you a short definition and then I'll say a couple of things. Okay. The First Nation version is considered to be a dynamic equivalence translation. Dynamic equivalence allows the translator to make edits as needed so the translated text is comprehensible within the receiving culture. Oftentimes, the target audience is not familiar with the source language or culture and needs idioms and references explained or localized to make sense. Let me give you just a short example. In what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the disciples' prayer that he gave them, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is the prayer he gave to his followers, And it says in there, give us each day our daily bread. Okay. So what is bread to the Hebrew people of Jesus' day? It's the staple of life. Mm -hmm. Bread is more than just a literal loaf. It becomes a metaphor of life. Okay. And so for our native people, we had food that carried that same sacredness to it, that same idea to it, depending on where we live. So in the translation, we said the elk, the buffalo, the salmon, the corn, the squash, the wild rice, all those things we need every day. And so that becomes those things. Bread is equivalent to our native people. Put some of them the buffalo, the Lakota people, the buffalo, the, the corn, the squash, the wild rice. That would be the eastern, and, and my tribe would have been wild rice. So we just picked a few of those out. Now, there's other places where we use other dynamic equivalents. For sin, for example, uh, 
Matter of fact, we didn't even use a dynamic equivalent for sin. We just translated it better. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what a couple of Greek scholars told us afterwards. Yeah, so we're take... always having to explain what sin is. So yeah. 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 So so we chose because of the fact that it was a sin to have long hair. Mm. We were told. In the boarding schools, it was a sin to speak our language. It was almost a sin to be Native American. And so sin takes on a negative context that it was ne- that kind of context it was never intended to have. Right. So we said, okay, how about bad hearts and broken ways? So bad hearts is for those who give themselves more over to evil. Broken ways is those who might be trying, but they just can't quite get there. They're trying their best, but they still can't quite make it. They still mess up along the way. They're not living fully in the way creator wanted us to live. And so that's how we translated that We for kingdom of God. We didn't use the word kingdom because kingdom carries some baggage with it mm-hmm. in terms of ruling over and power over and, and things like that. And Jesus taught us a new way to look at the idea of the kingdom. He says, you're not going to rule over people. You're going to serve them. You're going to become the lowest of all. So we said that the the idea of the kingdom of God being a way of life. And so a way of life would be a good road to walk. Mm-hmm. So one of our native theologians actually has has some ideas about how the kingdom might be understood in a native context, the good road. And so we call the kingdom of God creator's good road. And it really works. It really conveys the ideas that Jesus was getting across without doing any damage to the meaning of the text. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think for me, it brought new things to life. And Absolutely. New things to Thank light. you. Thank you. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was going to say, I mean, it's it's obvious to me what you're hoping the Native people receive from this translation, because what you're doing is you're bringing it to the heart language. And we always receive God better in our heart language. And and we have, I mean, even right in the very beginning, you're describing this conflict of the divided body of Christ, the missionaries translating, and then the churches saying these things are sinful. And that's so disjointed and unchristlike. And we're correcting some of those things now. We have a long way to go, of course. And so I'm curious, what is it that you hope people that aren't Native get out of this translation? Well, there's a lot of things, you know, and and, and before we go there, I want to make sure that I give credit and to our Native Translation Council. Mm-hmm. Because this wasn't just my project. I was the one who envisioned it. I was the one who led the project. We had a Bible translation organization, One Book of Canada, work with us. But we had a council of Native people from different tribes and different Christian backgrounds that all worked together on the uh, on this translation. So it's not just one person's thing. I want to say that. And then the and, other and thing. And can I also say oh, one thing about sure. that? It was yeah. also different genders, and that was important That's to right. me as well. So I, as a woman, groups. that mattered to me when I read that. So you can keep going. <laughs> oh, thank you. And yeah, different age groups, too. We made sure we had a good cross-section of age groups 
genders, ethnicities, and native cultures. But one of the hopes that we have beyond our native people, first, of course, this is, is by and for native people. Okay. Because of the way that the gospel came, because it came forcefully, because it came and we weren't given a choice. We were told we had to believe it this way. And we're, and we were actually punished if we didn't say the right things in mm. these boarding schools and things. And whenever you take something as beautiful, as this story, how creators loved us so much that he would die for us. And he would forgive us in the midst of us doing horrendous things to his son, you know, and yet his son would cry out, Father, forgive them. What a, what a story of forgiveness and, and love. But when you take that story and force it on someone with threats of violence, with threats of punishment, if you don't, do this, you destroy the story. Yeah. And that that's why less than 10% of our Native people will confess to following Christ mm. here in the land we call Turtle Island, North America. And that's sad, but it shows you the that's the fruit of this wrong approach. So we have to overcome all this. And we, we hope that this translation will be not only something for our Native people, but something from our native people mm. to the dominant culture, mm. to the majority culture. And to say to the non-natives, hey, we're here. We, we have followers of Jesus. And, and believe it or not, we might have a really good way of presenting the story of Creator Sets Free, of, of, of the great spirits, great love for human beings everywhere. And you might be able to get something out of it that maybe you haven't seen yet. And so that's the idea. Early on, we discovered, as we had a support team behind us who weren't Native, who were saying, you guys are going to do it. We're going to give you support and all this, the Bible Translation Organization. But we saw the tears Mm -hmm. in some of their eyes as we would read portions of it. And the tears would run down their face. We thought, wow, something's happening here. And and then for me, I was interviewed by a native Canadian woman for one of the churches in Canada. And she had not yet, even though she was interviewing me, she hadn't read it yet. Mm-hmm. So she asked me to read a little bit mm-hmm. in the interview. And I could see her, even though it was only recorded vocally. And as I read just the, the Beatitudes, I could see the tears. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, my she goes, I didn't expect that. And so it, it touches our Native people, but also I see the same effect happens when when non-Native people hear this. And so one of the things I'll say as part of answering this here, I once had a picture in my mind years and years ago of several pottery jars. Some of them had First Nations designs on them. Some of them had Celtic designs, some African and Asian and other cultures. And then I saw like a hand pouring water into each pottery jar. It was like the creator was saying Mm. to me that he's poured some of the portions of his gifts of grace into each ethnic group. Gifts of grace that can only come to others through relationship with those ethnicities. 
a special gift that he's given each people group in the sharing of the story of this beautiful gospel, this beautiful, great story, good story. Mm -hmm. So this picture remained with me, has remained with me for many years. I can still see it in my mind. And I've shared it many times. And I always ask this question of the listeners. Is the body of Christ living on Turtle Island, North America, willing to drink from the grace Creator has poured into our Native people? Mm. Mm. In the past, there has not been a great reception of what our Native people have had to say. Most Christian leaders have never read a book written by a Native person or a Native Christian. And so our hope was this would raise great awareness. And so far, it has so in that way, we thank Creator and that, that He's doing something. And I don't know why it was this long before something like this happened, but it must be time. It was time. And it was the work that God had prepared for you yeah. to do and the team that He surrounded you with. Right. I just, I love that imagery so much of what you just shared. I think I will carry that with me. So thank you for saying that. I want to talk about the passage that we meditated on. So we, did meditate on a passage from the First Nations version, which was Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. I'm going to read it in the NIV, and then I'd love for you then to read it in the First Nations version, and then let's just talk about it for a minute. And why don't you share okay. with us some of the things that are really meaningful to you about it? Okay. So for comparison, in the NIV, which is likely the one that most of my listeners have heard, it says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so why don't you read it to us in the First Nations Version? Take off that worn out and stained outfit of your past life, with its selfish desires and worthless ways of thinking. It no longer represents who you are. You are now true human beings with a new way of seeing and thinking. Put on the regalia of your new life, for you have been made new, created again to look like the one who made you, standing in a good way and walking a true and sacred path. So there's so much in there. The NIV is a very good translation. It's, it's a great translation. It's probably the most read translation in the world, I would imagine. But it also keeps using the same, I would call them somewhat worn out words, overused words. You know, the word righteousness and the word righteous. It's such a Christianese word nowadays. It's not used very much in our actual speech at work. It's not used in everyday language very much. So it becomes a religious word that kind of gets overused and loses some of its impact. And scientists will tell you that have studied storytelling and words. They say that when a word has been overused in a culture, it doesn't any longer carry the emotional impact that a, mm. that rephrasing it will do. Mm. 
So a lot of things are rephrased in here. In the NIV, was the word righteous used? Mm -hmm. True righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness. So, so where is that in this translation? Well, it's found in, you've been created to look like the one who made you standing in a good way. There's true righteousness and walking a true and sacred path. Okay. So it conveys that same idea. But with a new imagery, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With, with a new new emphasis, <clears throat> and then we picked up on what is Paul saying here? What is small man? We, that's his meaning of his name. Mm -hmm. What is small man saying here? He's he's talking about putting on and taking off clothes. I thought about you know when we go to our powwow, and we we put on our special clothes, our regalia. And when we do, we're representing our tribe, we're representing our people, we're dancing in that circle to make our prayers, we dance our prayers to the Creator, and we pray for people as we dance, but we wear these outfits that represent the goodness of our Creator and, and carry our prayers to Him. And so they're almost like priestly garments. Hmm. Uh, you could think of it that way. Mm -hmm. And think, and as believers in Jesus, don't we believe that when we put on Christ, that we put on his priesthood? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all these things. So we, we thought about the imagery Paul's using, and we actually expanded on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we connected it to our native powwow, our native regalia and things like that. And then what was the negative thing he says in the NIV? Uh, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Yeah, deceitful desires. We we said basically selfish desires and worthless ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. the, the word worthless is an interesting word. The word evil in in the Greek, and you'll find it in the Hebrew, actually one of the roots of that has to do with something that has no worth. Mm -hmm. Something that has no worth at all. So evil is is worthless because it never brings about anything good. Mm -hmm. Okay, only creator can bring good out of evil, but he doesn't do it by being evil. He does it by overcoming evil with good, mm -hmm. you know, by undoing the bad things that have been done. You know, and that's what justice is all about. So we are using wording and concepts, which is dynamic equivalence to say the same thing, but it says it in a way that impacts us differently. And that's, I guess that's the power of this new translation that we're learning. It has the power to do that. And not, not because we tried to make it like that, just because th there's something in our native way of thinking that creator has given us that can convey spiritual truth in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's one of our gifts. Mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. people. Well, We've agree. always been a spiritual people. Mm. Yeah, I agree 100% with everything that you just said. Thank you for unpacking that for us. I would love it if you would read the Lord's Prayer for us and pray that over us as a, a way of closing. Yeah. Oh, great spirit, our Father from above, we honor your name as sacred and holy. Bring your good road to us, where the beauty of your ways in the world above are reflected in the earth below. Provide for us, day by day, the elk, the buffalo, the salmon, 
the corn, the squash, the wild rice, all the things we need for each day. Release us from the things we have done wrong in the same way we release others from the things done wrong to us. Guide us away from the things that tempt us to stray from your good road and set us free from the evil one and his worthless ways. Aho, may it be so. Mm. May it be so. Thank you, Terry. This has been just a delight to have this conversation with you. So thank you for making some space for us today. Miigwech, bizindawiyeg. That's Ojibwe for thank you for listening. Well, friends, I want to let you know that I have some really good news for you. And that is InterVarsity Press is going to give listeners of so much more 30% off of the First Nations version. And that'll be for the next two weeks. You'll find a link for all of that in the show notes. And plus how you can find out some more about Terry, hear their music, and just to get to know him a little bit more. So all of that will be in the show notes. Definitely go check that out. Before we close, I do want to just take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will see all the other faith-centered podcasts that are in their network, shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. And as always, I do want to thank you one more time for joining me and Terry today on So Much More, because we really do believe Jesus, Creator Sets Free, has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.